0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm ringing for the work, they waiting on me like the 15 in the first I'm killing competition, putting bitches in the hearse Being diagnosed with a sick flow, with a nurse, yeah Do it for the city, but the hood getting turned With the money going around like an offer in the church shit. this shit was a race, promise, I'ma finish first Taking shots from my spot, got me leaning like I'm Dirk in the playoff Bitch, I want that Mark Cuban pay off Fly as a G6, waiting for the takeoff To another off. episode so like of the Bowling Sports Podcast the play Welcome to episode... 103, where we're reviewing all of the playoff games from this following or from this recent weekend of the nfl playoffs um we'll start with the saturday games Um, but before we get into that it's going to be really interesting couple days we're going to do this podcast we're going to do a recap for the championship game that's about to happen in less than an hour and i'm really excited for that it's going to be an amazing game to watch ohio state's not in it so let's not talk about it okay all right um So we'll do a recap of that tomorrow, and then later on the week, we'll preview the championship games for the NFC and the AFC. Which, to me, I mean, uh, I think this is a set of games that will surprise a lot of people, and I might have a pick that a lot of people will not agree with. So, um, now talking about the Saturday games, first up, is going to be the Minnesota Vikings versus the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this was one of the games to me that I felt, out of all of them, was going to be the game I felt confident in the underdog. You know, I thought Minnesota coming off that big win against the New Orleans Saints in overtime. You know, Kirk Cousins finally having his moment in, you know, critical situation in a do or die game, which he has no success whatsoever in previous years. I thought this was the game going on the road. He could make something of it. And as long as they got Dalvin Cook going, this would only help out with the rest of the offense and their defense. A lot of people underestimated their defense throughout the year, but they really showed up against Drew Brees and that offense last week. And, you know, I I love the San Francisco 49ers, but I, I think Jimmy G still has a lot of improvement to do and a lot of growth. So this was a perfect opportunity for Minnesota to go into Levi's Stadium and pull off the upset. Now looking at like the the preview and looking at some stories behind that, you know, the amount of travel that the Vikings had to do from New Orleans, go back and then just five days later, or even two or three days later, go to San Francisco and then play a heartfelt physical game against the 49ers. So this game itself was not close. Um, past that first quarter it was 7-7 after the first quarter and that's when you really start to see the 49ers settle down their defense steps up and you start to see those guys that came off their injury report you know Quan Alexander, D. Ford, those guys watching them play you know you you don't get to see a lot of 49ers game here in, in the local area and plus you know I have to work most Sundays you know not getting to see many games of the 49ers this year other than primetime games it was phenomenal. I mean, I was surprised at how fast D. Ford would come off that line and pressure Kirk Cousins. That offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings was nowhere to be found. Those edge rushers like Alexander, like D. Ford, and-, and Nick Bosa, dear God, did they have a day. You know, They just felt good. They felt on top of the world. And watching that game they felt like a number one seed which is something that i they've always had you know they've had an awesome record throughout the year 13 and 3 and they were atop the nfc for a a good amount of time along with you know green bay packers and the new orleans saints but to me it never felt like they were the number one team the number one threat in the nfc for the championship this game proved that to me there's still some concerns believe me but Watching Kirk Cousins and watching the Minnesota Vikings just struggle on every aspect of their team. Getting out coached, getting out played, getting out physical Like they they did everything great for the 49ers. Dalvin Cook only had 18 yards on nine carries. His longest run was six yards. Dalvin Cook was one of the leading rushers in the NFL all year long he had a bad stretch of five games because of his shoulder injury and being banged up he was their offense everything went through Dalvin Cook and it's times like these where you gotta you gotta spread that evenly and and make sure you're you running back that runs your whole offense really and makes your passing game even better you you gotta have them healthy you gotta have them in the right mindset right mindset only to give them the ball nine times and this is throughout the game and they only gave it to him maybe a few times in the second half and in the fourth quarter because they were down for a lot of this game they were down 14 10 at the half and then the san francisco 49ers scored 10 in the third quarter minnesota scored none minnesota didn't score any points in the in the second half like that's that's sad to think that uh, a Minnesota Vikings team with Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook couldn't score any points in the second half. Surprising. Now, to most people, they're going to blame this on Kirk Cousins. And I will stand by Kirk Cousins because I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. And despite all the questions and all the the comments about his clutch play, this was a game that just didn't go the Vikings way. It wasn't... it wasn't a good day for Kirk Cousins. It was spread all around. The blame should be spread all around this entire team. Because Kirk Cousins, like watching that offense, you know, watching that game, I didn't watch the first like quarter um, because I was at work. But when I got home, started watching it. It was just screen after screen after screen. And you felt that, that the Vikings only answered to the pressure that Bosa, Ford, you know, all these defenders, all these pass rushers, The only answer was screen passes and you have a dalvin cook that didn't get any rhythm going in the first quarter and that never showed up throughout the game you felt that dalvin cook looked tired he looked defeated i'm not i'm not gonna say that he didn't play hard because i guarantee you he tried he tried his best yeah a banged up shoulder probably some worn out legs throughout the season and especially coming off just five days rest against uh, New Orleans. You got to think that rest and, and and fatigue definitely had a factor with Dalvin Cook and this offense. Uh, the screen passes never worked. 49ers defense did a tremendous job of either reading those screens or getting to the ball as quick as possible. They fed off the home field advantage tremendously which was fun to watch seeing that stadium after so many years of not being in the championship hunt, finally get back to that and perform at a high level. Nick Bosa was the MVP of that game, like by far. Um, Richard Sherman with that interception really turned the tide to where it's it's going to be a long day for Kirk Cousins out on offense. Down Cook not getting it going. Kirk Cousins, you know, check downs upon check downs. And that's what I said in the preview it had to happen because there's no over-the-top plays. There's no big plays down the field that the 49ers would give up, especially with that secondary. It was going to be Kyle Rudolph and Dalvin Cook making the most out of it, getting those checkdowns or those quick, easy passes. And the Vikings did that toward the later part of that game. They're doing curl routes. They're doing simple five-yard out routes and getting the first down. They ended up with six first downs, which is the third least Amount of first downs in a postseason game in NFL history. It's amazing to think that that's, that's a record. That's a that's something that came up in this game. Coming out of prolific offense like the, the Vikings. Um, Stefan Diggs ended with only two receptions, 57 yards. Adam Thielen, five receptions on 50 yards. I mean, that's credit to the secondary. That's credit to Richard Sherman leading the way. Robert Saleh is going to be a head coach somewhere in the NFL either next year or the following year if you're looking like if you're the Cleveland Browns and I know they've had some speculation on on who is going to be their next head coach and I don't know if it's an official signing yet you should look at at Saleh as as a head coach candidate that dude doesn't have much experience but when you hired Freddie Kitchens who had no experience whatsoever and that's an offensive minded coach and their offense played terrible They have a tremendous defense. uh, I mean, talented defense. Robert could be a guy you can consider because of this type of performance. At home, you're off a bye week. You're feeling good. It was a little slow at the start. yet that defense toward the end. Dear God, was it fun to watch a really good defense come alive in San Francisco. You think back to Patrick Willis and all those great linebackers along with a solid team at candlestick uh, park and it, it's never been a defensive minded team for the 49ers but now it feels that way when we look at their offense jimmy g didn't really have an outstanding day he only threw the ball 19 times 131 yards a touchdown an interception and he had a qbr rating of 74.7 you know pretty good above average nothing special but what I mentioned in the preview was their running game. They use two r- running backs efficiently, one of the highest you know, efficiencies percentage-wise in the NFL. They can use George Kittle. They can use so many different weapons just in the backfield. And and I talked about their three-man set of running backs, you know, Breda, Mozart, and Coleman. And it was a matter of who was going to have the big day. And Tevin Coleman was that man. 22 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns. They totaled 186 yards between them three. Debo Samuel had six yards. Jimmy G actually had four carries. Just, you know, Kuby scrambles. He had no yards. Their receiving core, you know, George Kittle was at the bottom of the list, even though he's an all-pro tight end. Three receptions, 16 yards. So this offense, other than the running game, didn't show out. They didn't have an outstanding day, just a high-octane offense. It was their defense that fed off of... Of great plays big sacks getting to the quarterback and giving them f- great field position for their offense you know, when we look at the sacks the the san francisco 49ers had six and the vikings only had two i guarantee if you look at the average field position or yard line field position that the san francisco 40s had against the vikings it's big i mean that's so much cushion that you give jimmy G. And their third down efficiency was only five of 12. I mean, that's, you know, if you have a short field and you get the job done on like first or second down with your running game, you think about this performance for the 49ers. It's an all around great day. Their special teams got it done. Their defense showed up. This defense is going to lead them to a championship really in my opinion. Um, and their offense, as long as it's good enough. And if George Kittle can have a day next week, If any one of those three running backs can have a day and Jimmy G, you know, as long as he stays composed, if he can stay healthy and just stay, you know, at a level where let's say a game manager, Jimmy G is not that. But if he can just perform at that level and not make the huge mistakes when you go against a better defense, let's say in the future against like the Titans, uh, the Green Bay Packers next week, because they did phenomenally in their game. As long as you're doing your part, and I think this is what's really shown with Kyle Shanahan and this team. John Lynch has done a phenomenal job with this team. Do your job. You could say the Patriots way, but play at a high level and their talent. As much as they paid for their talent. Nick Bosa, you know, got a high draft pick for him. Uh, Richard Sherman paid a lot of money for a corner like that. And then you have a good amount of, like, Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle, their running backs. They they just invested in a lot of these guys, and it's proven worthy of that payout. And it's great to see a 49ers team play, like, a number one seed, and really prove me wrong as far as, like, Jimmy G does have a lot to improve. Now, he did throw that interception, and it was in a key part of that game where it could have gone back and forth. And yes i want to see more out of jimmy garoppolo yeah if that running game's going they had one drive toward the the part of the game like later part of the game where they ran about eight straight running plays and i believe in the eighth or ninth one they scored a touchdown like jimmy did not throw the ball in that drive and yet it led to a touchdown because the vikings couldn't stop it they could not stop the run and guess what i predicted it as long as they run up the middle and I mean, they had a good day, you know, across the field, but they they run an inside zone every single time in that drive. And it just, Griffin and Hunter could not get the ball fast enough. Their interior defense could not get it done. Their linebackers were tired from trying to cover all these different guys and spread the ball around. It was just a matter of time before the running game really had the the ultimate lock on that game. And 27 to 10, it was not close at all you know, in second quarter and then on. It, it's a good season for the Minnesota Vikings. They ended at 10-6, and six, you know. Let's see where it goes with Kirk Cousins. You know, he has, I think, one or two more years on his contract. I don't think he's the problem. Mike Zimmer might be on his way out, their offensive coordinator, who is going to probably get the job in Cleveland. I mean... What happens now with the Minnesota Vikings? You know, I felt like this was the year for them to be the dark horse, be the sleeper. The 49ers put that to bed, man. Like, great job for the 49ers. It it was an an impressive and an ex- expected performance out of them, if that makes any sense, to where if a number one seed is going to go out there after a bye week, look fresh, look clean, and look prepared, that's what Shanahan and this, this team looked like. And it's, they earned their spot in the NFC East. So in the primetime game on Saturday night, it was the Ravens against the Titans. Big trust, big trust. Tennessee wins 28 to 12 in their Can we argue that this is the, the bigger upset than the Patriots win? In my opinion, the Patriots win was more important than this one ravens were a number one seed they had the most prolific running game in the nfl they have a top 10 defense yet going over that hump against a champion in the patriots means more to me than than the ravens win i think if you if i think if you switched it let's say they beat the ravens first you would have been like oh, i mean they beat lamar jackson that's actually pretty good they only held them to 12 points and then you go into Foxborough and you beat them the same way you would have beat them like they did last week. Yeah, I would say the Patriots win was more important because you beat the champion who got off the first round by, but just because the Patriots were on the wild card, most people were like, oh no, this is the year where they get dethroned. I still think that beating the Patriots was the whole reason why the Tennessee Titans beat the Baltimore Ravens. They're confident at that point, you know, uh, a, top three defense, the best defense in the in the NFL throughout the season for the New England Patriots, and Derrick Henry runs for over 150 yards. That gives you such a, a morale boost of saying, well, if they can't beat us, Tom Brady's won six championships. That defense is marked down as one of the best in NFL history. And we're just an underdog. We we have a, a Miami Dolphins quarterback and a Alabama running back that no one really gave credit to. He's big, he's fast, and he's physical, but has he ever played to the ability like that most people hyped him up to be? You know, this guy was second on the depth chart for many years because of Demarco Murray, and he just took over because Murray was hurt. So wh- where was the credit due for Derrick Henry? You know, he had a great season, but it's the Tennessee Titans. They they were one and four at some point in the season. That was before Tannehill, but it's Tannehill. You know, you don't give him a lot of credit either. So getting that win against the champions. Getting the win on the road in Foxborough. That that's scary to think. And I know that John Harbaugh is a phenomenal coach and he's been in the spot before. We said it. You know, I talked about it saying how like you should trust John Harbaugh in everything that happens cuz this man has been to a championship game. He has been to a Super Bowl and he's won that Super Bowl with Joe fucking Flacco. This man knows what he's doing. And he has a better team this year. However, the way that the Tennessee Titans came out, they flustered the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore didn't have any points in the first quarter. And those first few drives, I mean, to go down 14-0 just like that in a matter of, let's say, 20 to 25 minutes in the game. Dude, you saw how easily the Baltimore Ravens were frustrated, especially Lamar Jackson. Have we ever seen a point other than the Cleveland Browns game earlier in the year when Nick Chubb had 150 yards and they gave up 40 points, only scored 15? That was the last time that we saw Lamar Jackson and that offense struggle. They had Mark Andrews in the game. They had Mark Ingram in this game. There should have been no excuses. You can say they're banged up, but still, you have Lamar Jackson who's going to be the MVP this year. They have a defense that is going to go down as one of the best defenses in the league you know Earl Thomas Marcus Peters these guys improve this team so much and they have a solid passing game or passing defense they have an even better rushing defense so this was a good matchup it was just a matter of Tennessee can go out physical and get them quick hit them with that that power shot early just so you you get a lead early on and it's too late for Baltimore to get it going. And I think that's exactly what they did. I mean, look, like time of possession, it actually favored the the Baltimore Ravens. But it was how the 27 minutes that the Tennessee Titans had the ball. They scored quick 14 nothing. And then Baltimore could not get in the end zone in that first quarter. They didn't find the end zone at all in this game. But it took them so long to at least get some points on the board. By that point, your crowd's not into it. And you have already hit them with that power shot with, you know, um, Tannehill throwing some great passes, making some big plays. And then you just, you just solidified that win with the running game. 30 carries, 195 yards. Henry did not find the end zone, but he had that long run of 66 yards. And you felt that after that run, after that one, like, broken tackle he had with Earl Thomas which led to all the Twitter memes which was hilarious. You felt that nothing had to be done for the Tennessee Titans to win this football game. Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball 14 times. He had a 50% completion percentage and most of those came in the first quarter. 88 yards, two touchdowns. He actually had a QBR rating of of 109.5. What that doesn't make sense. But It was a defensive performance, really. Derrick Henry took over on offense, but the defense, the way that they made Lamar Jackson look normalized. They didn't make him look like an MVP. And like I said, if Lamar Jackson was going to run the ball, there were some questionable hits, I know. But when Lamar Jackson would run the ball and he would get hit, I mean, he got... as soon as he hits the line hit the line of scrimmage, he was with someone. Someone was there to tackle him or at least put some pressure on him. A phenomenal job by them to not only stop it to not even gain a yard, but to get him that big hit. That was huge for the Tennessee Titans to be physical. I mean, nothing can be explained about this game other than the Tennessee Titans were the better team. And Lamar Jackson looking frustrated, throwing some interceptions, their defense not tackling. And Mark Ingram only had six carries for 22 yards. Marquise Brown had a good day, seven receptions, 126 yards. But no one found the end zone. Maybe if they wouldn't have gotten a touchdown in the first half, I think it, it would have gone a different way. Yet, and you saw Lamar Jackson through for 59, 59 times. And he had a lot of yards. The way that the Tennessee Titans had a chance to win this football game is to make Lamar Jackson throw a lot and to make him feel that defense when he did run the ball. That's exactly what they did. They executed that perfectly. Mike Vrabel has somehow turned into the best coach in the NFL right now. Doesn't it feel that way? Like he's working with with guys that are talented. By all means, they're talented. He's got Tannehill. He's got Derrick Henry. He's got AJ Brown, who's going to be the rookie of the year. Yet when you look at everything around the league, you know, Andy Reid's working with the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. He's working with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, in Tyree Hill, Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew on defense. You know, so many good players, and he's a great coach. You know, he's going to make the most out of that. And then you look at other teams like the like the Packers, like the 49ers who have talent across the board. Tennessee and Mike Vrabel is working with the least amount. And yet he's doing the most with that talent. 20 to 12, man. It was sad to watch that game, it really was. Cuz you you wanted to see the Ravens ball out. You want to see that that confident team, you know, big trust and all, come out and have a solid performance. I you know, I thought it was going to be a nice game a fun game to watch but at the end I thought Tennessee was just going to come up like they would come up short because they just don't have the talent and they proved everyone wrong so now like we've downed them twice do you see the the game that we're going to get into next with the Chiefs and the Texans would you see that team whoever they go against in the AFC championship would you see them like really underestimate them again no But that's when the Tennessee Titans might be the most dangerous. Is now they got the confidence. Now they got everything behind them. They have the bandwagon. And, you know, with the winners of the Texans and Chiefs game, I I think they have a strong chance, definitely a strong chance against the Texans. I think they would have won that game if the Texans would have won. But now against the Chiefs, with the next game we go into, Kansas City, that could have gone bad. I mean, that could have been really bad. Imagine... Like the tweets before the games, be imagine a Tennessee Titans and a Houston Texans ASU championship, bitch. In the in the first court quor- in the second quarter, that was gonna happen. The Texans were up twenty four to nothing. All I have to say about this game with the Chiefs and the Texans is that the Texans blew a twenty four point lead. We gave the Bills a shit ton of of criticism because they blew a sixteen point lead. The Texans made it. They said, hold my beer, bitch. Oh, my God. I'll just say this. Look, I didn't, I didn't watch much of the game. And I don't think I had to. You know, it, was, it was a story that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, after the 24-point lead. I went to lunch at work at 3.11 p.m. And at 3.11 p.m., the score was 24 to nothing. I went to Freebird's. Two minutes later, so 3-13, it was somehow 30 or or 24 to 14. I was like, what? Okay. And then, and then I got back from lunch and then it was 28 to 24. I was like, all right. Travis Kelsey just scores a bunch and Patrick Mahomes just balling out. And then at the end of the first half, the Houston Texans kicker goes out there and, you know, Fairbane or Farbarn, however you want to say his name, he goes out there and I'm like a 50 plus yarder. And I'm thinking to myself at this point in the game, if you don't make this, This is the end. Like you're you're not coming back from this. You're not blowing a 24 point lead, going down in the half, and even with this kick, only to make it a one point game, make it 28-27. Even at that point, you're risking it all. But if you don't make this kick, and in my mind, I'm like, he's going to shank this kick. That's exactly what happened. And at that point, you go into the half. Everyone's in Arrowhead Stadium chanting, you know, doing their their signature like tomahawk. And and it's it's all over. I think the Texans lost that game in the in the, in halftime. Like at halftime, they had lost the game already. And all these mistakes, definitely the Ravens game put something in the Kansas City Chiefs mind to where a few drop passes, a few mistakes on special teams, which they were, that led to the the twenty one twenty four point lead for the Texans. That that memory of the Ravens just choking, being the obvious favorites against the titans and all these drop passes all these mistakes on offense all these mistakes on special teams that was in the chief's mind for sure i i will take that to the grave that i think the ravens game and the patriots game with the tennessee Titans upsetting them really put something in the chief's mind to where they can come out here and if we make a few mistakes they're going to capitalize and it can get ugly pretty quick And to go down 24-0, you're starting to think about Titans versus Texans. And it's, it's, I don't even think I have a word for it. It's disgusting, you know? Like the Titans would win. Like the Texans just, to me, are just not a playoff team. They never were. Even coming back in that game last week, the Bills shot themselves in the foot. And it was a lucky play by Deshaun Watson that broke two tackles. If he would have taken that sack, you know, and it would have been like a fourth and 20, fourth and 30. You really think the Texans would have won that football game? Really? Not after that. It was just a, a lucky and, and tremendous extension of a play. But Deshaun Watson. Was, I'm, like, I'm not trying to be the bear bad news people, but come on. Like he broke those two tackles. And I think the momentum of those two guys colliding on deshaun watson just left him like physics just helped him out physics is the real winner you know you know we all we all say the audience is the real winner of football games but physics really won that isaac newton bitch he's in his grave right now thinking like he's the mvp of that game for sure so going into this game i'm like the the texans have no chance like even with a solid running game i i don't think they have any chance of winning this football game and to go up 24 nothing the fact that the chiefs just reset said, we're not going to go down like this at home. You know, we're, we were supposed to do the redemption, you know, story of Patriots beat us in the AFC championship. We're going to come back next year, even better now with a target on our back now with something to prove and to be down 24, nothing to make that up within six or seven minutes in the second quarter to go up in the half, and then to just completely dominate in the second half. Patrick Mahomes had four of his touchdowns in the second quarter. He ended with five. What? Dude, Patty Mahomes can ball, dude. I ain't doubting that guy ever in his career. He is going to be the biggest paid QB in the history of the NFL. Damn right he will be. No, there should be no way the Kansas City Chiefs let this man go. This dude did it all. He was their leading rusher. Travis Kelsey had 134 yards on three touchdowns, ten receptions. How? And for the defense to only give up seven more points after that 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 lead the Texans had, impressive stuff. Like they have a good passing defense. Their rushing game was. I mean, their their rushing defense is one of the worst in the NFL. But when when you just don't have to play rushing defense, I mean that makes it easier. Forty one unanswered, and I don't think I can analyze this any more than just saying, like Patrick Mahomes, Do you, Patrick Mahomes now has the hot hand, and he's gonna go against the Tennessee Titans team that's that's really physical. And they're gonna pass him like they're gonna rush him a lot, but they're gonna Andy Reid's gonna be creative here. This is a scary football team. They scored fifty one points. They won fifty one to thirty one. And I was talking to Brenda about this. You know, I was because she was like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "Dude, they ran out of fireworks. They they capped the fireworks after every touchdown to fifty. They put an announcement." in Arrowhead Stadium to say, we ran out of fireworks because our offense is too good. You mean to tell me that you don't want to see a Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl where it's, you know, best defense against best offense? You don't want to see next week a physical Titans defense against Patrick Mahomes? It's got, I think next week is going to be a high, like, high-scoring game. It's Derrick Henry who can just pummel anyone on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And it's Patrick Mahomes who can just throw anywhere, 60 yards, and have no problem with it. The Texans just are not a playoff team. I think Deshaun Watson is a regular season quarterback at best. Bill O'Brien has now shown his ceiling at how far he can take this football team. I say you move on from Bill O'Brien. He is a good coach, not a great coach. He does some good things well. But you got a clean house on that defensive side. I mean, really, they need a secondary. They need a better defensive coordinator. Romeo Cronell is considered, I mean, that man has been around the league for so long. And he's critically acclaimed as one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. He comes from a great tree. Yet, to give up 51 points and to give up 41 unanswered, that's demoralizing. That's that's depressing god man the kansas City chiefs just don't make sense they really don't you should never come back from a 24 point lead let alone in six minutes but patrick mahomes and travis kelsey just said their back hurts really their back hurts a lot it really does oh i don't know how how do you analyze that game how do you really analyze that game i don't know Lastly, you know, just, just as we recap this this uh, this weekend of football, we're reaching the end point. We're reaching right before the championship game. The Seahawks and the Packers game. Now, the Packers were the better team, and I didn't think the Seahawks were going to be anywhere near the, the level of the Packers. I really felt like this was a game that Aaron Jones and, and Aaron Rodgers would really show out and prove why they're one of the best offenses in the league. The Seahawks for them to come back in that football game to score, you know, twenty in the second quarter or the second half and the Green Bay Packers only score seven in the second half. You know, Lazard, who I think is an undervalued wide receiver for the, the Packers, went out in the third quarter. He only had one reception for five yards. You know, Aaron Jones had sixty two yards and twenty one carries. Uh, Devontae Adams had himself a day I mean 160 yards two touchdowns eight receptions a good showing out for Devontae Adams which hasn't been around for a long time I think it all it's all determined by that catch and that that challenge at the end of the game because at this point it's 28 to 23 the Packers on a third and short and they give it to Jimmy Graham who had himself a really good day as well um, 49 yards on three receptions, and one of them was that end-of-game deciding factor. Look, every time the Seahawks and the Packers play each other, there's always some controversy. It always feels like there's something the refs do that does that goes 50-50. It goes to where they're going to come out the next few days after the game and say, oh, we got this play wrong, we got this call wrong, or we got this call right i don't think it was a first down and you could after looking at some pictures you know packers fans you know sending me some pics the the first down marker the yellow line they put on tv was a little bit off now where it was actually ruled it was ruled a first down from the very beginning that was the call on the field based off of where they had that marker and that sideline camera I still think he was short. But what you got to consider is that whether or not they called it a first down or short on that first, like on field decision, there was not enough evidence to prove it otherwise. So to go into that challenge, I think it was a good challenge by Pete Carroll. Like you had to challenge it like you had to. Um, But the, the deciding factor was the on field call because they went into the booth. They said, well, even if he is short, there has to be indisputable evidence to prove otherwise. And looking at so many different angles, looking at so many different things, you, you eliminate the fact that you have the first down marker on TV that is the yellow line. It's not accurate. Even with that, there was not enough evidence to me, you know, after looking at all those replays to say that that was short and it is definite. So you can blame it on the refs. You can blame it on so many different factors. You could say that it was rigged. It was the refs that cost them the game. For the Seahawks to play bad in the first quarter, play bad in the second quarter, and to say that the refs were the reasons why the Packers won that game, it's, it's not correct. It, it's definitely not the right assumption. The Packers were the better football team in this game. They were the better offense in the first half. The defense for the Seattle Seahawks, like I said, it's one of the worst in the NFL. Yet so many people think that the Seahawks are a phenomenal team. That's not the case. I think they didn't play anyone good in the regular season. And even if they did, they did not win those football games. They they lost to to the Ravens. They lost to some good teams. And when they did win a lot of football games, it was against bad football teams. They played really good and they beat the 49ers once earlier in the season. I get that. But that's a divisional opponent. You're going to play harder in those games than you would against regular teams. But every time that you had to play a team that you may see in the playoffs other than the 49ers, you didn't show up. You you just you didn't you didn't prove to me that Russell Wilson is not the only thing good about this team. The things that they did throughout the season to improve this team, they had a banged up offensive line which they didn't fix. They brought in Marshawn Lynch, who only had 26 yards in this game. Russell Wilson was, once again, the only reason why they were stuck in this football game. He was their leading rusher. He was good enough on the passing game. DK Metcalf, I mean, he had a good game. Tyler Lockett had a good game, had a solid game. But it was all Russell Wilson, and you can't allow your quarterback to be the only reason why you're winning football games. Good job by them to actually come back in this game and have a chance. Yet, for Pete Carroll to not get this team ready earlier on in this game, they only scored three points in the first quarter, or in the first half. That's that's not a playoff team. Like, the Kansas City Chiefs scored 24 and a quarter, after having one of the worst quarters in a long time, since the Andy Reid era. The Green Bay Packers scored 21 in the first half. And then they just had to hold down from there. Get the running game going. Or Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, just do what you have to do to get the first downs. To just just cruise this by and our defense will take care of the rest. Good job by the defense to actually like hold up toward the end. To not give up more points. But yeah, like you can blame it on the refs, people. But I think it was the right call in the sense that the call on the field was wrong. And they're going to stick to the wrong call if that was called short in the beginning and then they would have looked at the replay and said, Oh, I mean like that first down marker was, was, was somewhat off. And then they looked at the actual first down marker. There's still not enough evidence to prove that otherwise. So either way, it's a lose, lose for the refs. But I think the better team won. And for those people that think that even with that first down or even with the short call, You're thinking about the Seahawks that had no timeouts at that point. They would have gotten the ball with less than a minute to go. And he would have been like, but it's Russell Wilson. No, no. Because it's so much. I know you want to give them a chance, but even if they did get the call, that is a small chance that the Seahawks would have gotten the ball back, drove down the field and have to get a touchdown in order to win that game. I don't think it happens with less than a minute to go. On the road. So, yes, you can keep complaining, but this is what it is. Like, bad calls are going to happen in the NFL. They're going to happen. But at least the refs who called it short or called it a first down the first time, they stuck to the rule of saying, look, we need solid evidence to prove it. And they didn't have solid evidence. Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself in the mindset of a referee in a divisional round playoff game between two teams that you've had some controversy before and you're going to piss off a lot of people or you're going to make a lot of people happy if you put yourself in the in their shoes i guarantee you you probably wouldn't wouldn't make that call either you probably wouldn't have said it's overruled or overturned because you're not in their shoes there's so much pressure in on them it's so easy to look at it from home and and see the replays when they probably don't have the same looks as we do. Do I think it's 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 broken? And do I think it's it's needed for change for how bad these refs are? Of course. But you gotta you gotta think of it. It's just it's a tough tough league, a tough job to do. It's the same thing as the calls last year against the the Rams and Saints. Is that yes? That pass interference call was so oblivious. And so apparent. There were so many other things, though, that the Saints could have done to get into that football game, to win that football game, or to bounce back. It's not just that call, it shouldn't just be based on one call. And that's what everyone is thinking this is, is that it's based on one call, and that's the reason why the Seahawks lost this game. It should be based on they scored only three points in the first half, and they were down too much, too early, and too late to come back in that game. So that's it. So now we got, we got Tynes and Chiefs in the AFC. We got 49ers and Packers in that rematch from earlier in the regular season. And I think the Packers have a lot to prove in this game to really redeem themselves. And it should be a fun matchup to watch against the Tynes and the Chiefs. So we'll come back later on next or this following week um, to re- preview that. And then we'll come back tomorrow to uh, review the championship game between LSU and Clemson thank you for listening to the Bubble Up Sports Podcast I hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next time on the podcast